There we go. <laughs> um, every time I do a sermon, I forget to record, and Anthony has been furious. <laughs> okay. I have hit record on the top of my notes. So today I'm going to be talking about identity and knowing who you are. Who am I? Answering that question. I kind of want to cinch the series and find out what, what the transition is between your identity um, in sin, your identity apart from God, and how that moves into your identity in God and in Christ and how that gets applied. Um, if you want to open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 4, this is one of my favorite passages actually, and I think it's under talked about. And that makes me sad. This is a story of Cain and Abel. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, if you grew up in church, you probably are familiar with it. Um, Cain and Abel were the first, like, first generation sinners uh, in humanity. So this whole chapter is kind of a cool, uh, oh man, what's the word? I don't know. You get to see God interact with sinners for the first time. And this is kind of important to understand how God's grace is applied to people who have not um, committed to following him. <clears throat> people who are not born again. I have enough space. So Genesis chapter 4, we're just going to read the first, I think, eight verses. Is everybody there? We're there. We are not. All right. Now Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. The Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain um, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Um, Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. That's tragic, but that's where I'm going to end. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I'm laughing, it's not that funny. So I really want to, I want to zero in kind of on the interaction that God has with Cain. What does God say to the first generation sinner in regards to sin? Um, it says, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? As in, hey Cain, you should know better. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. And so God is saying, hey, Cain, I know you've got more in you. I know you can do better than this. Where is my actual Cain? Why aren't you giving me what you actually have? Why aren't you giving me the best? If you do well, you will be accepted. And so God knows that Cain's not giving everything. Um, and we know from reading Hebrews that Cain was not offering by faith. He didn't actually um, believe that it was worth giving God everything. His offering was not genuine. So when he came to God, he wasn't really presenting himself. He wasn't really presenting um, what God was worth. He was just sort of jumping off, kind of whatever, like going through the motions. Kind of, uh, I read a couple of commentaries that said this is very much like dead religion, 
you know, showing up to church every week, putting on your Sunday best, um, going through the motions, but not actually committed from the heart. So that's kind of where Cain is at. And God says, why are you angry? You should know better. If you do well, you know you'll be accepted. You know that I will accept you if you just believe what I say. And the next kind of chunk of it where God says, sin is crouching at your door. It's desirous for you, but you must rule over it. Fascinates me because in a lot of um, evangelical culture, we talk about how uh, sin, let me think. We talk about how you are your sin and you have to die, which is true. But in this conversation God has with Cain, God is saying, hey, you are not your sin. It's crouching at your door and it wants to kill you. So I don't know. Fascinating. And so God appeals to the identity that Cain has as a son of Adam who has given dominion over the whole earth. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. You have dominion, Cain. And so even though Cain was a sinner, and even though he was affected by the fall, even though this is the first generation of humanity that is corrupt by sin and depravity, um, God still expects the best from Cain. He still expects Cain to honor his mandate to have dominion over all the earth. He still expects Cain to rise up to the responsibility of doing well, of giving everything, of presenting his best to God, of honoring the relationship with God. And so I thought, huh, if God had that expectation for Cain in the first generation of sinners, he's probably had it for every other generation of sinners. So God never compromises his standards when he expects holiness from people, when he expects love from people. Um, even from sinners, he expects the best. Um, and I don't think it's a uh, controlling thing or an angry thing. He's just, he just knows what he made us to be. He knows that we got better. He knows that we are made in the image of God. So God treats sinners according to what he sees. He sees the you that you don't see. God sees something in you that you don't see. And that's how he treats you. And so this, this passage, again, it fascinates me. It's one of my favorite. Um, so Cain had... Cain had, like everybody, an I am statement. Alright? So this is an identity phrase. Everybody has an I am something. I am blonde, I am tall, I am short, I am whatever. Um, and so Cain had the opportunity to choose his I am statement. I'm afraid of getting a marker over everything. So if we read the passage again... Um, it says, Cain was very angry and his face fell. And so Cain had a decision after this conversation with God. He could have believed God. He could have believed that he was able to conquer sin. He could have believed that if he did well, um, he would be accepted. But he chose not to. Instead, Cain went with, with his feeling. Cain said, I am angry. So this became his identity. I am angry. My feelings determine who I am and how I am to behave. 
And we know that because just a few verses later, Cain killed his brother. This became murder. Mm -hmm. And so your actions are always going to come out of, they're going to flow out of your identity. Who you say you are is going to determine what you do and the decisions you make and how you live your life. So, this was Cain. And because he was angry, whoops, That's what he became. So it's really important to know who you are. It's really important to know what God says about you. And it's really important to have something in this blank that lines up with what God says. And generally speaking, any I am statement that you have that did not come from God is probably sinful. Not things like blonde. That's not sinful. <laughs> but things like I am awkward I am insecure I am a hot mess I am a train wreck I am uh, clumsy there's all kinds of I am statements I am ugly there's one I am not good enough did I write any more down? I didn't um so, in honor of Anthony asking me to wrap up this free journey thing, um, I just want to share sort of what my I am statement was. Yeah, and I just want to share my story through the journey to understand what God says about me versus what I said about me for a long time. So, my I am, I have to write this a lot, several times. <laughs> they make such great noises. I have scented markers. Oh, that's awesome. So it smells nice up here. Right. This is the wrong one, too. <laughs> Alright, so the reason asked, uh, Anthony asked me to do this is because I have wrestled with this identity statement. I have been through all emotions. Trust me. So for a long time, my identity statement was this. For several years, many, many years, um, I was a porn addict for a long time. I was uh, in a lot of bad relationships for a few years. I was addicted to sex and sleeping around. Um, I was in the bar singing and hanging out, like doing all of that, the prodigal son experience. Um, so I understand this. I get this. And this is a sinful identity. This did not come from God. Because if I were to summarize this, if we could come up with a synonym for this. I was basing my identity on an experience. I am gay equals I am a sexual experience. The sum of what I am is a sexual feeling or encounter or experience. So that was how I defined myself. Um, I actually could not receive uh, affirmation or love or appreciation from anybody unless it was on these terms. Because this was how I defined myself. Right? Right? So me 
Based on my feelings, I decided who I was. And because of that, this is how I acted. That was how I behaved. So my identity as a sinner was rooted not in what God said, but in what I felt. And this became more important to me than what God said. Um, oh, side rant. Um, it's really popular in a lot of circles these days to uh, sort of affirm people who deal with same-sex attraction and say, Oh, you poor thing, you were just born that way. God loves you. Like, you don't have to change. It's okay. And I get really angry. I get really angry when people say that. Because this is not okay. I have a, uh, a co-worker at the bank, and um, she, her son came out to her a few years ago. He's in high school, and he's very active in the community. He's, uh, he started his own LGBT team at the school that he goes to. Um, and his mom is very supportive of him. Um, she loves him. She takes care of him. She didn't kick him out or anything. Um, but she kept telling him, oh, Shane, it's okay that you're gay. And so every time I heard that, I heard, Shane, it's okay that this is all you are. It's okay that your entire identity is based on your feelings. It's okay that the only love you may ever experience is when someone else, some stranger, is using your body. It's okay. So I do not take kindly to that. <laughs> and you shouldn't either. Um, <clears throat> this is not okay. So, oh, hey guys. Hi. You're late. I forget. <laughs> I said I forgive you. <laughs> so, it's not actually compassion. I understand people who are trying to be kind and embrace their friends and really be loving and compassionate, um, but it just, this is not the way to do it. Um, as soon as you compromise truth to accommodate love, um, you've lost the love. Amen. You can't have love without truth. It's just not true. Yeah. My daughter um, had come out as bisexual to me, and she's in middle school. And I've gone about telling her that it's okay. How do I go about telling her it's not okay? I'm going to get to that. <laughs> Hang tight. I think it's so good. <laughs> I'm so excited. All right. So this is where I was at for a long time. Um, my parents are amazing. They didn't make any compromises for me. I came out to them. They didn't kick me out. Um, but I made an agreement. I said, hey, I'm not, this is not what I am. And I don't want to live this way. You know, so it was great. Um, but I understand that that's not everybody's experience. Um, so what really changed for me, I, there were two really powerful conversations that God had with me. He dealt with me very much like he dealt with Cain. He appealed to what God saw in me. God appealed to what he saw in me. He made an appeal to the identity that he created me with. And so the first uh, conversation I had was in, uh, I think, 2011. Yeah, beginning of 2011, I was, how old was I? Doesn't matter. This is a few years ago. <laughs> and I was sitting in church, and remember, through all this, I grew up in church. I went to church, so I'm not like, like crazy, like, 
this, you know, this was just going on. Um, so I was sitting in church on a Sunday morning, normal day, nothing fantastic. It was kind of gray and rainy out. And um, I was not engaged with the service or the worship or whatever. Um, but I heard a little voice in the back of my head. And God was speaking to me. And it was like he brushed away some of my, like the muck that got in front of my identity. Like he, he cleared just enough for me to see. And he said, Justin, you are a prophet. And you're going to be responsible for changing the hearts of many people. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. So I really clung to that word. I really clung to that experience. I, it was... It was a taste of true identity that wasn't shameful. And it was a taste of what God, the hope that God had for me and for my life and my personality. Um, It was hope and life and I was excited. So I pursued that. I spent months chasing that word. Um, And it really guided me. Like It it really uh, launched me in a journey to pursuing God and to knowing Him and to knowing myself and learning more about uh, what the Bible says. About me, So that was the first conversation where God shone a light on what he saw. And he said, Justin, you're more than that. You're more than this. I have a destiny for you that's not related to this. I have a destiny for you that's this, it's not anywhere. You know? And then the second conversation I had, this is, I don't know when. I keep wanting to come up with dates. I don't know the dates. This is a few years after the first conversation. And I was whining at God about something. Something stupid. I don't remember what it was. God, it's so hard to have a car and friends who love me. It's so hard to have a place to live. And money. Okay. Whining about something. And God, he, he, I was in my car. And it was like the air changed. It got so heavy and intense. And God said, Justin, you are not a wimp. You are not a wimp. I will not treat you like a wimp. I will not behave towards you as if you were a wimp. You are not a wimp. And so, naturally, the first thing I'm doing is bawling. I am like weeping. Oh my God, I believe you. I'm not a wimp. I'm sorry. <laughs> there, I'm driving and there's tears in my eyes. And I was like, I drive by faith and not by sight. (laughs) And so that that conversation radically changed the way that I see myself. All of a sudden, I'm not a victim to this. I'm not a victim to what I feel to be true anymore. I'm not a victim to what life is throwing at me. I'm not a victim to what the devil says when he accuses me. I'm not a victim of my circumstances, like, oh, they didn't love me, oh, they didn't do this, or oh, they didn't do that. I'm not a victim to temptation anymore, because God said, hey, you're not a win. And I felt like I was looking at my promised land, where God said, hey, I have a destiny for you. I know who you are. And I'm looking at all this over here, and I thought, God, there's giants in there. Like Israel, they were moving into the promised land, they got freaked out. And that was me at this time. And I felt like I was saying, hey, God, I want you to clear the land for me. Can you just do it for me? It's too dangerous to go in there. And God said, no. If you want your promised land, here's a sword. Go take it. 
So it's been a process of learning how to embrace that. So I've, after years and years and years, I'm finally at a place where I'm okay with what God says about me. Why did I take the cap off? So when I believed what God said about me, I got words like this. Whoops, I can't spell. Prophet. Wow, that's cool. So he's given me the ability to love people by hearing what God says and telling them what they say. And that's a part of who I am. It's part of how I operate. And that's awesome. I wrote some other words down. I don't want to write all of them down. It's just gets to be a hassle. So because, oh yeah, Ooh, I got lost. Lost the flow. That's okay. So I started to believe. <laughs> I really began to embrace this, and I believe now that I am a prophet. I believe that I am a worshiper, and I love to worship. I love worship, guys. I really come alive in worship. I love his praises. I love telling him who he is. I just, I live for that. Um, I'm a leader, and I have compassion for people. I am joyful. Some people, you've probably noticed. <laughs> I am creative, and that's a part of who God made me. And none of that really has anything to do with what I feel. It's just what God says, and I believe it. Um, and the most important thing that I am is I am a son of God. Yes. I'm adopted. I have a dad in heaven. And he sees me and he loves me. And I got to tell you, when it comes to knowing who you are, when it comes to the I am statements, there is nothing more peaceful, relaxing, and trustworthy than resting in the fact that God just loves me. He just loves me. I'm accepted by God. Because he sees me and he knows me. And he saw something in me that I didn't see. He has value for me that I didn't have for me. So, in talking about identity, um, you have to know what God says about you. When you're making the transition from your identity outside of Christ to your identity in Christ. You have to know what God says about you and then believe it. Embrace it. Chase it down. And really get a hold of what it means. Really internalize it. And God will help you through that process. Um, so I wrote down two ways that you can find out what God says about you. This is gold. It's genius. You're going to be amazed. Are you ready for this? Yes. First way to know what God says about you, read the Bible. Yeah. The Bible says that you are dead to sin and alive in Christ. So the old me that was on the last page, um, it died with Christ. It is no longer true. There are people who say 
Christians, this confuses me, Christians who cling on to the um, same-sex attraction identity, even after receiving Christ, and they say, well, I was born this way. And I think, no, you were born again. You're a new creation. You're a whole new thing. So whatever used to be true of you is no longer true of you, because this is more important. This takes precedence over what died. Does that make sense? So when you receive Jesus Christ, when you unite your life to His, when you say yes to what He says about you, the old you dies, and this comes alive. Christ in you comes alive. And that's what the Bible says. That's in Romans 6. Um, And also 2 Corinthians 5.17. And John chapter 3. I didn't write the verse down. So I wrote down some other words. I don't have the verses, the addresses for all these. But these are all things that are true of you and that are in the Bible. The Bible says this about you. You are adopted. You have a family. You are accepted. God accepts you. So you don't have to fight for your position. You don't have to impress anybody. You can just relax. You can be yourself because you are accepted in Jesus. Um, you are deeply, deeply loved, individually, uniquely loved. God loves you. You are a friend of God. Jesus calls on um, the people who believe His words, people who embrace His word. Those are His friends. You're a friend of God. That's awesome. That means that He tells you His secrets, and He gets close to you, and He shares His life with you. And that's awesome. Um, You were chosen before you were even born to belong to God. Imagine this. Thousands and thousands of years ago, God creates everything. He creates the earth. He creates the heavens. And from that day, he starts counting down. Counting down the days until finally you are born. Every single day, he was waiting for you. He was excited for you. Because he chose you before he started. Which is awesome. Um, You are a saint. That's a legal title. You are officially a saint. You're a citizen of heaven. You're a citizen of the kingdom of God. Where is that? in Ephesians. I know. It's, in, it's all over the place. But that's awesome. <laughs> so you don't belong to Satan anymore. You don't belong to the kingdom of this world. You don't belong to the kingdom of sin and darkness and hatred and oppression anymore. You're not a slave anymore. You're a citizen. You have rights as a citizen of heaven. Amen. You have access to the benefits of heaven when you're a saint, which includes joy, which includes freedom, which includes transformation. And that's awesome. Uh, You are no longer condemned. Once you have Jesus Christ in your life, you are not punishable for your sin. Which is dangerous to say, but I believe it's true. (laughs) And a really simple way of saying it now is that you're not in trouble. You don't have to worry about getting punished. He is not here to punish you. He just wants to help you. Everybody is dysfunctional. Amen? Amen. Um, God wants to help you with your dysfunction. 
which is awesome. Um, Jesus' blood, because he died and he rose again in your place, his blood speaks a better word than Abel's blood. Remember Cain killed his brother Abel? Um, the, the blood that Cain shed when he killed his brother, uh, it was about judgment. It was, what's the word? Indictment. An indictment against Cain because he murdered someone. But when Jesus, because Jesus died for you, his blood speaks of forgiveness and atonement and covering over. Not punishable anymore. Um, You are now forgiven, you are justified, and you are more than a conqueror. You are not a wimp. I I have very little patience for uh, victim mentalities. Drives me nuts. If something, like if you're going to blame everybody else for your problems, there is no way to help you. It's literally impossible. But when you own up to what you know you have done wrong, then you can make changes. So, I worked at a bank for almost three years, and I see a lot of victims. Let me tell you, all kinds of victims, and I just, I do not have patience for it. You are not a whip. Get your life together. It's, I will help you. I know it's hard. It's really complicated not to spend more money than you have. We will help you. All right, so that's number one, what the Bible says about you. Read the Bible. All those things come from reading the Bible and reading the Word and letting it fill you, letting it transform you, letting it kind of cut away the, the things in your life that are not true of you. And they fill in the gaps for what are true of you. And as you, as you are rooted in what Christ did for you when He died and when you rose again, when you embrace the life that He has in you, um, this becomes more true. And it swallows up that old identity. It's just awesome. Um, and then the second thing, how did I do this? <laughs> okay, the other thing, <laughs> besides reading the Bible, is um, listening to what the church says about you. Listen to what the people who know God say about you. That's important. It's super important. You gotta get plugged into a church. Because when you are in a community of people who are close to God, you really get a feel for what God feels about you. It's so awesome. I, just in the last few months, Anthony's vision for this church um, has really inspired me. It's really uh, sort of I don't know, set me on a journey to understand the power and the beauty of going to church, the body of the church, the body of Christ. Um, and I really believe it's powerful um, to be plugged into that community where you're surrounded by people who want the best for you. People who don't treat you like murderer came. They treat you like conqueror came. That's so important. Um, and specifically, I think prophecy is so powerful. Getting a prophetic word. Knowing what God says about you by prophecy is so I mean, the amount of times that what God says about me, um, said to me personally, it was confirmed over and over and over and over again by people in the church. And if I didn't have those words, I don't know if this would be tangible. 
I don't know if it ever would have become real for me. Um, so I really want to emphasize the, the importance of going to a church and getting a prophetic word. Um, starting next month, we're going to offer prophetic ministry. Um, it'll be once a month. Um, during those services, we'll be able to take two or three people to receive a prophetic word. Um, we'll record it for you so you can take it home and listen to it and just kind of test it against the Bible and see, um, you know, just see what happens. It's amazing. Um, so that will be an available resource for you, for us, next, next month. Um, and if you don't want to wait that long, I know you can go to the Nichols campus, and they have prophetic ministry every week, so you don't have to wait. Um, so I highly recommend that. And that's the plug for the new, <laughs> new ministry. <laughs> um, Daniel, could you come up? So I just want to take a few minutes now and let God minister to us. I want to let him speak. I want to make room for him to speak to us. I want to make room for him to fill in some of these I am statements. Um, yeah. yeah. So why don't we all close our eyes. We're going to start praying. Lord Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for what you say about us. I thank you that you don't treat us according to what we thought. You don't treat us according to what we think about ourselves. But God, you see something in me that I don't see. And I pray that even now you begin to speak to those things. You speak words of truth, affirmation, acceptance, destiny. I'm just going to take a few minutes of silence. transform something in the way that you think. Jesus, I thank you for repentance. I thank you that you invite us to believe your word and that you honor our decision to believe your word.
begin to replace those negative I am statements, God, and replace them with truth. Tell us who we are. Tell us about your thoughts towards us. What were you thinking when you made us? never made the decision to say yes to Jesus, now is a wonderful opportunity. Just kind of where you're at, if, if you're kind of not sure what all this is about, or if you've never done the religion thing, or, that's okay. That's fine. If you want to know what God says about you, you have to have Jesus Christ.
So I'm going to pray with you. If you're in that place and you want more of God and you want to know what this is about and you want to commit to, to being changed, I'll pray with you. Lord God, Lord Jesus, I choose to receive the life that you paid for me. I choose to receive your sacrifice. And I believe that your sacrifice, Jesus, was enough to pay for my sins. It was enough to transform me from the inside out. And I choose to make you the Lord of my life. I commit to following you. I commit to finding out more about you. And I say yes to the invitation to be loved by you, God. and you want more um, I'd love to pray for you up here we're going to kind of do a soft close we're going to kind of wind down a little bit and we'll have a couple people up here available for prayer or prophecy for you yeah Father God I thank you that you're speaking to us and I bless your work I bless your name I bless what you're doing this place. In Jesus' name. I'm sorry, I wanted to answer your question. Um, I didn't didn't forget, I promise. Totally didn't. Um, How do we treat other people? How do we behave towards other people who have um, identities that are not rooted in Christ? Well, I treat people the way God treats them. So he never really dealt with um, the other identity. He never addressed it directly, honestly. Um, He never punished me for it. I was never in trouble with him. He didn't tell me that I was wrong. I just had a conviction that it didn't line up with what God said. And the more I believed this, the more the identity just faded away. Um, So the most effective way to deal with anybody in any type of identity situation is to just honor them. Just love them and say the things about them that God says. You know, expect more from them. Expect better. You know? And here's a really great thing to do. Tell them what you think God says. Uh, I had a co-worker a long time ago. Um, I told him one day that, that God thought very highly of him. I said this to his face. Hey, did you know, Tony, that uh, God thinks very highly of you? And he literally laughed out loud and said, oh, that can't be true. But I, I planted something in him. I believe I, you know, I, I, just, I just said it as if it was true, and then I acted as if it was true. You know, I laughed at his jokes. Uh, I didn't reject it. I hung out with him. Um, so we don't have to punish people for having a sinful identity, everybody has one of those, but it's really powerful to move um, according to what God says towards other people. So does that kind of help a little bit? Yeah, we can talk more afterwards.
Um, so we have officially closed, not closed, released. It's the appropriate word. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, we are officially released. You guys can stay here and minister. We're gonna have some music in the background. Um, and Justin is available for prayer for ministry, and then um, the prayer team will be over here as well. If you want to, if there's a line or something for Justin, you guys can come over here and we'll also pray for you as well. So. Um, you guys are dismissed and hang out as much as, as long as you'd like until we kick you out probably around 9 o'clock. Thank you.